0: Just before the episode, I would like to thank all our Patreon members. You guys, the support means the world to me and helps keep this podcast going. And if you haven't signed up for Patreon yet, just so you know, Lindsay from formerly 33% Pulp and I cover a lot of different true crime and history media, like The Keepers and the Paradise Lost series, as well as covering some topics that you guys probably wouldn't hear about Otherwise, you know, we've covered the Ainu of Japan, we've covered Bernard Pernat, lots of different cases, as well as some surprise and different kinds of content, such as crazy sci-fi movies comes up as well. So love if you would check it out. Thank you guys for all the support and allowing me to keep doing this for the past few years. So thank you. And now on to the episode. Welcome back to The Cult of Domesticity. Guess who's back? Back again. Lindsay. <laughs> tell a friend. Lindsay's back, 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 back. And I'm done singing now. I, I, have, I <laughs> don't know when to
1: cut you off. I, I, don't, you off. I don't either. And I, 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 would haven't, say, but like-
0: I haven't sung on the actual podcast in so long, so you're welcome, new listeners. You missed the point where I used to sing probably once every five episodes, and I'm horrible at it you're welcome you know it's fun though your singing is always entertaining <laughs> because i know i'm bad and i just have fun with it like I'm, I'm not mariah carey i'm barely someone who tries out for idol like i'm a, i know my you're level. Ba- did you try out for idol at all <laughs> god no okay <laughs> you forget i edit my own episodes i know what my voice sounds like i know it's not great i'm not gonna go to nashville and try to get a career like I'm just going to sit in my apartment wrapped up in blanket and talk about history
1: and murder. And here we are talking about history, but not murder, but death, right? We're talking lots about of lots of death. death.
0: If you guys like Lindsay and I chatting, my co-host for Patreon. That's me. Generally
1: <laughs> a great time. It has been so fun, actually. I gotta say, it's been so fun to like just research random stuff and like do this with you because it's so chill and interesting and fun. So I've been enjoying my and- you, dear listener, would maybe also enjoy it, so you should check it out. You know, <laughs> g- give it a thought. We <laughs> did all of the keeper
0: covered the West Memphis three extensive to extensively. Extensively,
1: <laughs> ask me a question.
0: <laughs> covered a documentary, covered history, doc, crime, doc. Cover, the I did a thin. Doc, covered a woman in Berlin. They called us the enemy, and those are just the ones that are out, guys. Like so, there's probably. 20 episodes, but we've also already been talking for, what, 45 minutes, so...
1: (laughs) A while.
0: A while. This is always what happens. You're welcome. But today... We're going to be discussing the Black Death because why not discuss a pandemic while we're in a pandemic? Oh, timely. <laughs> it's very timely. And I'm kind of not going to talk about the main causes of it, like science causes of it, because there is some updates because they are doing testing on bones and such. Really? Fascinating to keep up on. As we all know, even though my mother was a scientist, I don't do science. I am a humanities person
1: through and through. I can't do math. I was doing, I was teaching my class and I was like, so there are two that we do think. There's reason A, there's reason B, and there's reason C.
0: <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> I, we should also mention before we get started, Lindsay was the former host of the wonderful show, 33% Pulp, RIP, but you should still go check it out because there are, it's lighthearted. So if you're feeling down in the pandemic, Go learn about killer crabs. Mm-hmm. I'm on several episodes. There is one where I do a horrible eagle cacaw multiple
1: times, and that is topical because we are right around Christmas time. You know, holiday holiday season. Uh, that was the book entitled um, "Do Do Not Murder Before Christmas." Do not murder before Christmas. I should. It was out. actually good. It was actually a fine book. It was it, fine. It was a good book. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it. So we broke up. Uh, pulp fiction. Pulp novel um, into thirds. We had three hosts, and each host read a different third of the book and then recapped it for the other two.
0: And it was a good time. Basically, imagine if you get dropped into the middle of that book and you're like, I don't know who's important. I don't understand this plot, but I'm going to go with it. And it <laughs> ensues often because what the one rule was if there was a sex
1: scene, you had to read it. You had to read it. You had to read it. Yeah. So, like, his throbbing manhood, like, pressed up against his jeans and then she took his magic wand and it's like what the fuck is happening
0: we're talking about black death which is the 13th century we are so we're in the 13th 14th because it's 1300 14th century. i'm very good at that because i studied the 18th century which meant i dealt in the 1700s so i'm good at that math and i'm good at, i'm slightly good at roman numeral math if i can talk this starts around the 1340, and it spread from Eurasia into Europe. We're going to start with the late 13th century, so 1200s. There's a decline in the rate of growth and rates of growth, like you see famine, economic vulnerability, and in many regions. So food costs more. Peasants' land holdings shrink because there's a larger population. So basically, they had reached a certain point where there was an there was so much population pressure. That everything, all the costs of everything were rising. There were small. Like, if you were a farmer, you got smaller plots of land because there were more kids. It was... Basically, they had such a good boom because of good weather and good crop yields and good development that it started to backfire on them with all... Like, because they had lower food costs before they started doing cash crops displacing food so instead of like having some cash crops and other food crops you would just do all food or all cash crops and like buy your food in town which is fine so like stuff for dying in picardy in gascony it was vines so like grapes so if you're making wine very popular and this meant the this meant the balance of humans animals and food is a three-sided it's like a triangle balancing act you know, where there's a ball in the middle and you're like all trying to bounce out. We also have at the turn of the century, the Little Ice Age sets in. So this nice weather they've been having for a long time starts getting colder, summer's shorter. So the growing season's shorter and it becomes more wet, cold. So again, remember they're cultivating less food land for more cash crops. So if you've left food and then you can't grow as long, so you can't have, sometimes you could have like two seasons in the summer. If you can't do that anymore, you're kind of getting shit out of luck. Then in the year thirteen fourteen there was unprecedented flooding, really, really cold winters. So that, again, takes production down. They are guesstimating around 40% down. So wow, yeah, it really started to, like the European economy really starts failing to provide food that's needed because they kept doing that. And of course there was hoarding. We learned that's in the year 2020, with the toilet paper shortage, <laughs>
1: Clorox wipes. Yes.
0: You know, everybody buying eggs and flour and all this stuff. And you're just like, if you're not going to use it, don't buy it. But so you have like people hoarding and speculation happening. The general, like, so the next generation begins to recover from this little ice age. It, they adapt, they adjust, and then the plague hits. So um, you- um, yeah. And this would spread across Central Asia. The preceding decades so it was kind of known you know but it, it just hadn't hit europe yet so like certain people had heard about it but it wasn't like we didn't have social media it was harder to spread things so maybe some sailors had heard about it some people had known about it and really it reaches europe by trading vessels from the black sea to italy In 1347. And that's always what everyone hears when you're in school. They're like, this ship came to, I think, Florence. And all of a sudden, everybody's sick. Everybody's dying. The rats get off and they infect everybody. And it just covers the continent after that. And kind of does. It's not as fast as everyone thinks. Because remember, we don't have planes. We don't have trains and we don't have automobiles. We just have horses and carriages and boats So,
1: But I do imagine like once it got itty that it would be super spread because everybody was like around everybody all the time because we don't have the internet or screens.
0: <laughs> or just like you have more centralized gathering places. So you have market Perch. day. -hmm. Church. You have certain days of the week that more like a lot of people are crowded together instead of like I. I mean, we have church now, and we know that churches are super spreading sites in some regards. But we don't have market days anymore. They like try to space out like they space out when you go grocery shopping and all that. So we have more options. Mm
1: -hmm. What is the like? What did it take? It was like coughing. There's like bleeding. Wasn't there like boils and shit? We're gonna talk about that. So
0: there are three interrelated forms of the plague that we know of oh so we have the bubonic very vari- variant which was the most common the one you think of so you have swelling or aka buboes that would appear on your neck armpits or groins so there's um i believe like lymph nodes there and mm-hmm. those would swell and that's where i would to that name and they could range from the size of an egg to an apple Ooh. yeah that's huge and you could survive from this some people did survive from that version
1: like how like Did they, did this boil thing stay there for the rest of their lives or did it like eventually go?
0: I think they would go down or they would lance them because they, the lancing was common. So they would drain them. So if you watch like Dr. Pimple Popper where they drain things, (laughs) I know a lot of people don't like that the thing gets gross, but
1: it's like a train wreck. Can't not watch.
0: The human body is fascinating on what it grows and what it does. I'm not into science, but that's shit fucking cool. Hmm. It was actually really painful and. Once you got the lesions, most people, like from generalization, basically thought you had a week to live. And we do know that infected fleas would attach themselves to rats and then human. Because again, the Middle Ages were cleaner than most people expected. Like that Monty Python is a good variation of it because there are some people that are cleaner. There's some people that are not. It just depends on where you are. We know that medieval Spain actually got voided. Of this because it was under the control of the islamic empire at the time so they had less cases because in islam cleaning you have to clean yourself before you go into temple or mosque and everything Mm. based on my knowledge again don't at me but this is based on what i'm remembering the second variation is the pneumonic plague which would attack your upper respiratory system and then spread through the x like breathing Mm -hmm. so if an infected person breathe near you. You are shit out of luck and you should be wearing a mask. It's much more virulent than the first type and your expectancy after you get symptoms are one or two days. Oh
1: my gosh. How terrifying. Oh my gosh.
0: There's been a lot of pla- like this one is where people and recounting it would be like and they'd get it and then die. Oh and they get it. Like- so, we know in some regards it isn't exactly that, but it's how your brain recognizes trauma, which is also why I find the Black Death and like these kind of things fascinating is because you get to look at the psychology and be like, okay, we're having a giant trauma, which I never thought I would see in my lifetime after 9/11. <sighs> but looking at just how your like collective memory recognizes trauma. And so, mm-hmm. People would be like oh yeah and like people were just like you get sick and you die you get sick and you die you get sick and you die. Mm -hmm. Not everybody did but it was just so many people did or like they suffered so traumatically that your brain just can't deal like your psyche can't deal with it so you just are like they died. You don't want to think
1: about it. Like, I would imagine too back in the 1300s that um, standards of Hygiene were not the best either. So maybe it was, you know, the days. Like I remember I was actually on Spoop Hour, another excellent podcast, and this came up in the context of something else. And I remembered like one of their practices would be to brush their teeth with honey and vinegar. So this is, this is the level of self care or hygiene that we're talking about. So I guess it does make sense. Two or three days, like if, geez.
0: And how you're treating it too. Yeah. But yeah, it just really depends on your practices and all that, which were like now varied. Mm -hmm. So the third type of plague was septicemic and it would attack your blood system. So like sepsis kind of. This would include swelling, again, commonly in the groin, armpits and neck, dark patches and coughing up blood. Mm -hmm. We do know medieval observers and there was modern counterparts in the 19th and century china and 20th century vietnam so this has come back up didn't it recently come back up actually like randomly yes so there's still cases where it comes up because they'll call it the plague so it's like bubonic pneumonic or septemic yeah will come up because they're still around they didn't go away humanity just developed herd immunity and eventually, our bodies learn to deal with it, and we don't get it in, I think, the quantity or uh, aggressive nature that at that point. So, can't blame. They've both, uh, medical observers, and a, there were somewhat medical observers then, I will say, noted the different strains took between five days to half a day to cause death. So you could get a week and it just depended how your system went because they didn't really know how to defend themselves or understand what was happening. So imagine if Corona happened, but we didn't know, like people were panicking at the beginning of this because we didn't know how it was transmitted and all of this stuff. And we kind of figured it out, but we have like more medical testing and we could treat stuff and we could treat symptoms imagine having no idea on anything and it, your, your treatments aren't working and probably like 90 percent like the, like initial high death rate you'd panic right mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: and m- medicine was still very much integrated with religion at the time right and so couldn't this be or wasn't this interpreted as some kind of um okay we'll get there we'll talk okay <laughs>
0: But you have to remember, so Lindsay and I have just covered VD in a VD book in Patreon, but germ theory is now maybe almost 200 years old. Mm. Maybe. It's the late 19th century when we come about that. So you have to remember this. Put that in mindset, in your mind's concept that we don't know what germs are. We don't know that viruses and bacterias are different. Mm. So, you know, you get sick and it goes the way it goes and you, your best. So as the plague sweeps across Europe, men, women, and children begin to panic, freak out, and flee, which isn't helpful if in pandemic senses like staying right. in place is better because you have a better chance of you know fighting it and not spreading it, but still. Many people did believe that the Black Death came from God. It was a response to behaviors and all of this. So naturally they responded with prayers and processions. So public gatherings right and a lot of people together right as we know not the best option as you live in LA and had places shut down because they would have parties
1: (laughs) we're back shut down again December 6th we are stay at home main I wonder are there estimates like you know how they're tracking it now and every day every few hours there's an update of how many cases there were like were there estimates of Like, how many people contracted this and how many people died? Was it basically 100% like if you got... It's
0: hard to tell because a lot of... It's not that they didn't document it. It's also the fact that we don't have a lot of documents from the 14th century anyways. Mm. So if they did it would be like in their local census and maybe it was with the church maybe it was with this maybe it was with that but so many people were dying they didn't have the ability to record it and we're going to talk about like grave digging and stuff like that so like oh a lot of it it comes from after the fact looking at census data like church records and all of that and if they did okay let's say they're writing on vellum
1: which is i just learned that pencil is last longer than pen make- it's a better you're only allowed in the archive oh interesting There's been in <laughs> enough
0: archives i know
1: that <laughs> so vellum
0: is prepared animal skin so let's say you're using vellum it does last but like can- it's how well people are maintaining it keeping it in good spaces You know, you don't want it too hot. You don't want it too cold. You want to keep it, they keep it temperature controlled. I've definitely seen Illuminae manuscript on vellum in real life. I creeped on somebody else's table, but that's fine. They had to, they had to use uh, gloves. Like that's when you had to use gloves. Like all my research, I didn't have to use gloves. Nobody was like, oh, here, use gloves. They're like, your oils are fine. Uh And I trust them. They know what they're doing. But So yeah, you have to think, the like maybe someone did write it down, but the chances of it getting preserved were lower because people were moving, it could get destroyed, mm-hmm. and also, okay, let's say when they did look at it, let's say they had it in the 1600s, well now it has to survive from the 1600s to 2020, mm-hmm. like between now mm-hmm. and then,
1: because we a have, lot of time.
0: it's a lot of time. There's certain ancient sources from like Rome and Greece and before that, that we know of. Because they're cited in sources we have, but we we only know so much of them because they're cited. The actual source is gone. Oh,
1: interesting.
0: Yeah. So huh. m- the medieval period has a good amount of sources. Medievalists are like medievalists and ancient historians are the most creative people I have ever seen for doing their projects and helping to look at their limited sources in different lights. Mm-hmm. Because when I did my mapping information all of the really great digital mapping projects were from medievalists and ancient historians and all the 18th centuryists were like, we have all these documents. I'm not going to lie. I had a lot of documents too, but still, but
1: (laughs) no What's interesting too, is the lack of an archive emphasizes what we know now is like, the repertoire so like diana taylor's work when you don't have an archive or even regardless of an archive or not you have embodied practices which is something that you mentioned in the very beginning is that this becomes like a somatic shared trauma and so it does make very much sense like that you know the news that they're getting is everyone's fucking dying you know (laughs) we do have some
0: sources but I wish we had, like, I mm. think it would be great. Uh, let's talk about one of those sources, actually. That's Courtney doing a Lindsay transition. Um, <laughs> well done. <laughs> thank you. We know people were running away from the plague because they were scared. Fair enough. Like, mm. I would be too. We have Boccaccio's Decameron, and I'll be quoting from this throughout. So I'll mention, I'll say, I'll like probably say quoting from, and I'll be from this. And same what it's Boccaccio, it's Giovanni Boccaccio.
1: Bic- Bicaccio or Bocaccio.
0: Boccaccio, B-O-C-C-A-C-C-I-O. Boccaccio, and he wrote a series of tales among a group of young people taking refuge from the Black Death outside of Florence, where we know it hit Italy first. And this is actually where quarantining come fr- comes from. So it's like forty days. So you mm. need to stay quarantined for forty days after you come in on a boat to make sure you don't spread it. And this is where the idea of like. Especially like with Florence, quarantining island, like Florence and Venice, like they would do islands. So you have to hang out on this island for 40 days. But then my thought is, okay, if you don't separate by ship and everybody's interacting on this island.
1: it becomes like Plague Island.
0: Yeah, we'll have to cover um, Provalia Island on Patreon sometime. That's the one I refuse to watch the ghost adventures of again, because that island is creepy as hell. Oh, I'm intrigued and looking forward to (laughs) that.
1: I've not heard of it. So good.
0: It's a plague island. It's fine. Yeah. So he, Boccaccio, we'll just go with Giovanni. Giovanni lived through the plague as it came through Florence in 1348. So he lived, dealt with it. After he lived through this, he wrote the Decameron, which was seven men and three women who escaped the disease by fleeing to a villa outside the city. Very much um, Poe's Mask of the Red Death kind of deal like where people are like hiding out hiding away he writes his introduction he gives a graphic description of the effects of the epidemic inside the city so this is the signs of impending death and i took this from one of my favorite fucking websites. i had to shout them out eyewitness to history oh such a good website Hmm. they take primary source accounts and they'll put them in contact so they'll explain like they'll like elaborate on what it means and why they talk about this that if you're looking for primary source accounts where people talk about witnessing these crazy events definitely check it out i've used shit. it for teaching i've used it on this like it's great quote the symptoms were not the same as where a gush of blood from the nose was this was the plain sight of inevitable death but it began in both men and certain swelling in the groin or under the armpit they grew to the size of an apple a small apple or an egg, more or less, and were vulgarly called in a short space of time. Tumors spread parts all over the body. Soon after this, symptoms changed and the black or purple spots on the arms or thighs or any part of the body, sometimes a few large ones, some small ones, these spots were a certain sign of death, just as the original tumor had been and still mm. So he describes the symptoms we were talking about very clearly. You know, some people just got the tumors that were a sign of death. Other people got tumors and spots, so there could, you could get more than one type. Do you know there was no known remedy, but people, you know, much like now, people wanted the fix. They're like, give me the medicine even if it's untested. Even Chaucer commented that doctors of physics made much quote, gold out of the pestilence, so they're making a lot of money mm. out of this.
1: Selling stuff and like random cures and stuff. I was thinking of Chaucer when you brought up that this guy wrote a series of tales. Yeah. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah, because Chaucer is, I think, around the same time. Chaucer, who wrote the Canterbury Tales. and um, He lived from 1343 to 400. So yeah, he's living through the same period. Mm. I mean, yeah, you could see how both of them commenting on it and probably because Chaucer had these tales, some of his works were... Like, now the chances of your... Because everything's digital, unless the computers go down, a lot of things are archived now. Mm -hmm. They're digitized and all that. Back then, you're still dealing with the fact that If you're writing on a piece of paper, we all know how fragile paper is. Get it wet and leave it out and watch what happens in the sunlight. (sighs) Just watch what happens. You know, everybody has that when you accidentally go to a beach and you drop your book in the water. What happens? In the toilet. Yeah. Or you're reading in the bath and it falls in. Like everybody has done that and you're like, oh, you can't read it anymore. Things are ruined. They get sticky. Or
1: or you just pull it out of the toilet and call it fine. Just pretend it never. Why do you feel like (laughs) this is a personal experience? (laughs) I guess the only thing that I think would connect the the Chaucer is like, the only thing that I remember is that he wrote in archetypes. So he would have like this, the mother, I, I just made that up. Um, and it would be a series, like a collection of like five different women, or something, you know. And so I'm thinking of Giovanni Boccaccio's series of tales is likely um, not necessarily the experience of a single person, but like maybe an, a conglomerate of of people, a composite. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So
0: we know that the plague bacteria was actually first identified in Asia in the 1890s, and they put that's where they started to put the connection between animals, and fleet. So it took, I mean, it took a while to figure out what was the cause. So I'm going to do a little brief timeline because we're going to do an overarching history of this. Uh, I don't have a good podcast that covers it. If I find one, I'll share it on social media. Um, if you have a good one, share with me. I love learning about shit. Please give me more history podcasts. I only have like 200 that I listen to. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not up to date. Don't nobody trust that. But so 13... Forty-seven. The Black Death moves from China to Central Asia into Europe. We know that the army led by the Mongol ruler Janjber attacks the Genoese trading port of Kaffa, which is now Asia, in Crimea, so near Ukraine and Russia, which we just talked about. As the infected soldiers die from this disease, Janjberg will ca- catapult their plague-infested bodies into the town, because they're. That shit happened. Mm. Biological yes. warfare, bitches.
1: Bio warfare. Yeah, I thought that that was really interesting. There's a there's an article called Necropolitics by um, a really good author <laughs> that's like really interesting about how body against other bodies So
0: remember, they're fighting the Genoese. So the Genoese leave Kaffa and they carry the epidemic westwards towards the Mediterranean port. Genoa is a town in Italy. Their soldiers come back. They don't realize they're infected or maybe they just somehow are immune. You know, sometimes it just doesn't get you the first time. It's like the flu. Sometimes you get the flu, some say. Sometimes you don't get strep for years and then you get it so bad that you can't breathe. It's fine. (gasps) Not speaking from the fact that I had the strep this year and it was horrible. But um, we move to 1348. We know that this plague reaches North Africa, mainland, Italy, Spain, England, and France. So it hits them all like kind of in waves. That's a massive
1: spread though. Geographic spread. North Africa, mm-hmm. Spain, Italy.
0: Yeah. That's a lot of territory. It's slowly, is- I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to steal this amazing map that I, ta- I already told Lindsay about from Wikipedia. I don't know who made it. You did an amazing job and I'm really jealous. It looks great. I have an appreciation for good maps. Thank you very much. (laughs) But so a ship from Calais, France, which I believe, yes, at this time it's ruled by England, leaves France, probably because they were fleeing because everybody's getting sick and dying and they go to Dorset, England in August. So it's like throughout that year, it slowly moves from Italy and North Africa. Like it's basically along the trade routes. You know, from there, it spreads to Bristol and then just like a wildfire throughout southwest counties in England. We move to 1349 and we know that it begins to move to Austria, Hungary, Switzerland, Germany, and the low countries, which is like the Netherlands in that region. And again, remember, some of these aren't actually countries right now. These are modern day equivalents of where it reaches. And it's basically how the trade routes go and how people have been moving.
1: Right. That's what I think is super interesting is that there was a period of time that was skipped over then. So um, the trade went from, I mean, it went from Italy, Spain, all, from Asia, but then it took a couple years to get to Germany and Austria, which would reflect like what you're saying that there is this like, it's determined
0: by fast Movement of people, man, fascinating. We do know London and anybody who's read Shakespeare or any of these kinds of period literature you'll hear about it or anyone who loves the Tudors um, will definitely the, the hear show, the
1: show or the family fucking the, show the <laughs> you know I'm, i don't like that guy.
0: uh henry the eighth is a dick um well the actor yeah, um, henry the is a serious. Talking Tudors podcast covers henry like covers them so definitely check them out but if you want to learn more about the Tudor period which we're we're not quite into the area I can't remember when Henry the seventh not quite in peace at this time but like people like they're doing well the war of the roses is mid-15th century and I was like <laughs> London which is still a pretty large city is getting hit strongly by the plague between February and May and then it starts moving north we do know the population of Europe was re- like taken from 80 million think about that down to 30 30 million
1: i did hear oh wow that's, that's 50 million people dead and is this is this um just within these two years right now yeah Be- because isn't like, isn't this the one that killed like a third of the world's population or like left a third of the world's population? It left
0: a third. Yeah. So this is going to yeah. be 60% of the population in rural and urban areas. Wow. I mean, I, th- I think it's a little longer than the two years, but it's the first big clump. Yeah. Because it keeps coming back. It's like the gift. first wave in a sense. Yeah. The first wave killed 50 million people. So uh, just think about that. <laughs> We're all... lucky, everyone. It's fine. <laughs> It's fine. We have penicillin, bitches, and respirators, <laughs> and masks, and we know what causes it, and now we have a vaccine. So oh, let's keep drinking about that. And the thing was, it didn't strike with a purpose. So, you know, in certain places, like a village on the estate of Cambridgeshire, they said that about 70% of its tenants died within a matter of months in 1349. And we have the city of Florence. This is how creative they are. So they have manorial rolls. So that's how they talked about in Cambridgeshire. In Florence, they use tax rep- records before and after the death, Black Death, to show that, you know, it had been about the same in 1848. But then Quinaub in Hampshire was completely wiped out. Many rural communities went into decline or were completely deserted because they no longer had to keep records. So the records just disappeared. So you can use tax tax records, birth records, manorial records, all that. Quote, One citizen avoided another. Hardly any neighbors troubled about others. Relatives never or hardly ever visited each other. Moreover, such terror was struck into the hearts of men and women by this calamity That brother abandoned brother, and that Mm -hmm. uncle, the uncle, his nephew, and the sister, her brother, and the very often, the wife, her husband. What is even worse and nearly incredible is that fathers and mothers refuse to see and tend to their children as if they had not been theirs. And So this is like the most well-known quote from Giovanni, is that brother abandoned brother, the uncle, his nephew, his sister, the sister, her brother, and often wife, her husband, that they're like mothers and fathers tend and see in their, tend their children. Cause if, if your house was labeled a plague house, you were shit out of luck. You just leave. People would leave because it was safer for
1: them. Wouldn't they often be locked in as well? Like so that they tried to contain spread. Like if one person got it, then all the members of the household were like locked in their home so that to try to contain it. And then they would fucking die.
0: I think it depended on where you were and how, like if it was right when they got there, yeah, you could do that because more people are healthy. But if you're in the midst of half your population dying, you don't have the energy to go control this. Mm. You barely have the energy to pay Barry.
1: Sure. Yeah, you're, you're right. I'm still alive.
0: <laughs> I'm not dead yet. I think I'm go for a walk now. The most accurate part of Monty Python is them being like, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> and just like carting dead people we do know that some villages barely touched or skipped over and some regions like in northern germany were almost unaffected. so while like italy france england are getting hammered and people are dying left and right in some re- regions in northern lands they're not seeing it
1: at all or barely maybe because there's not so much trade and they trade internally if it's rural they just take care of themselves
0: or it's cold and you know you everyone keeps like it hits in the winter and you stay home you stay more to yourselves yeah quote the plight of the lauren most of the middle classes was even more pitiful to behold most of them remained in their houses either through poverty or in hopes of safety and fell sick by the thousands since they received no care and attention almost all of them died many ended their lives in the streets both at night and during the day and many others who died in their houses were only known to be dead because the neighbors smelled their decaying bodies. dead bodies filled every corner most of them were treated in the same manner by the survivors who were more concerned to get rid of the, their rotting bodies than moved by charity towards the dead with the aid of porters if they could get them they carried the bodies out of the houses and lay them at the door where every morning quantities of the dead may be seen. They were then laid on beers or as they were often lacking on tape. So basically, you could barely get someone to help you move a body, bury a dead body. And this is why in England, it comes up more that you just have plague pits because they just couldn't, like, if everybody's dying, you got to dig a pit, we'll put them all in there. You can visit the pit. It's what you got to (laughs) do. But if you think about it, like, okay, say you have a village of 50. If 25 of them die and half of, like, okay, let's say another 15 of them are sick. That leaves you 10 people care if you can get them to care. Bury them. All this shit. And you're like, no.
1: Mm -hmm, no, By
0: 1350, the... Black Death Reaches the Extreme North of England, Scotland, Scandinavia, and the Baltic Countries. Which at this point, think about it, there's probably rumors going everywhere. You're probably shitting your pants, freaking out. The Misinformation. Oh, 51. This is where we see the beginning of the 25 million people by 1351, including about 100,000 of the population of Paris. Oh my gosh. So Paris drops down. That much between 36 and 75, we know there's a later outbreak. So like, this is where the second, third waves come more so. Like, so now we're like, we're in the second wave, I would say, of COVID. But you know, we have. I mean, we don't really have hindsight. We really won't know for about 10 years. But the initial like hump of it, and for a lot of places, instead of it being immediate, where we all get it in, in 2020 and we all panic. Imagine if one. We, it started in 2019 and then another region gets it in 2020 and then another region gets it in 2021 and another region gets it in 2022 and then 2023 and then all of a sudden we're all like okay
1: do you mean of of the same thing or of like three well
0: pneumonia? it's the same it's three different forms but they're all going together yeah so imagine like you know how like flu the flu has different variants mm-hmm. it's like the different variants of the same thing they're all traveling together but it just takes longer to reach places so we all f- are dealing with this in a year. They all dealt with it basically for a decade and a half or no, about two decades, two decades and a half. Yeah. And I'm not saying what we're dealing with is it unprecedented, but like we also have to think about it. Our trauma is a lot shorter than their trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know there's outbreaks between 61 and 63, 69, 71, 74 and 75. This, remember we talked about at the beginning of this there was a large overpopulation issue or discrepancy between labor and resources-based. Well, we basically took away two-thirds of your labors. So wages drastically rise in the 1370s. So good job, proletariat. Mm -hmm. You're working on it. Because they are the
1: ones working.
0: (laughs) You're working on it, the proletariats. Because people still need to eat and people still need to do all this stuff. 1381, the British government attempts to make adjustments after the black death it's kind of like settled down there's still like sporadic plagues and illnesses but it's not as intense so they set maximum wages during labor shortages and they added a pull tax. but we get a nice little peasants revolt which we'll talk about not today it'll come up sooner than you <laughs> in For 1400. We know that the population of England is half of what it had been a hundred years before. Mm. So just imagine like they've had time to recover but still. Damn! Mm. This has caused the depopulation or total disappearance of about a thousand villages in England alone. So just That's one region of Europe. So times that by the rest of Europe. Mm -hmm. And even if they weren't as bad, some areas were worse, some areas were better. Damn.
1: And it might have been because like they all died or it could have been that like so many died and then the rest like fled, like you've been saying, you know, and so like these villages are just gone for one reason or another. That's a lot of people that are displaced
0: or yeah displaced or dead and you know it would be like if you combined our modern day refugee crisis with COVID and upped it so I think at at this point it'd be like a billion people dying and being displaced and actually no what the population's at seven billion people so let's say we go down to two billion people on earth that's what that would be like
1: and here with all of the like But here with all of the discrepancies with technology and healthcare and all that, like I bet you, but though I guess I don't even know, like, cause look at the United States, I I guess to finish my thought, I was thinking, you know, that would be like all of the third world or developing countries like gone, you know, and then maybe the metropolitan, like metropoles or like whatever. But then actually now that I'm thinking about it and what happened with COVID, it's like who even knows, you know? because it depends on politics and all that.
0: I mean, I think India is the closest to having a billion people. so India's gone, maybe China's gone, Brazil, Europe World. You're losing multiple continents worth of people mm-hmm. in a fail swoop. And that's just the effect on Europe. We don't like it's you have to look at it separately for the effect on Asia and Africa. Mm. So think about that. What happened after we did this all? We all went through this. I I should say we all because I always gave my students crap about that. What happened after Europe went through the Black Death? Marriage rates rose significantly because, you know, you might die. (laughs) We see this happen a lot. That's why you get the baby boom after the 50s. We do know this is in part because, you know, men want rich widows and orphans. And there were a lot more of them then we'll be dying there was also increased birth rates but because everybody keeps dying the populations are still reduced think about it if you're gonna die you don't have to love with a glove and if you're telling me there weren't condoms at that point there were they were sheepskin
1: yeah that's what i was thinking disgusting like that is along the same lines increased
0: rates of violence and debauchery so hey oh because people th- are like
1: what the fuck ever you know with everything
0: if i'm gonna die i might as well go out having a good time i'm here for a good time not a long time <laughs> on a small scale we see some upwards mobility because you know people be dying and people be marrying some rich widows and orphans why not players gonna play Player's going to move up on the social ladder. It's hard to explain why the population remained low for so long after the epidemic. Some areas recovered quicker than others, you know, it was lower than the Malthusian models would predict for it, even though there were higher wages and an abundance of cheap land because dead people. I feel like that's a t-shirt. Because dead people.
1: there would be a lot more housing uh,
0: the Yeah, housing. And remember, the farmers were getting constricted. So unless your land was designated to only go to the first son, which was really only the gentry and the nobles, which gentry is kind of like a weird class, at least in England, between the middling sort, so what would become the middle class and the aristocracy. So you're like in that weird spot. Um, and so if you're like a, just a farmer, you could like divide your land however you want. So say you have three sons and your three sons have three sons and your three sons have three sons. So it, that just keeps dividing the land up by what? 18. So what was a good sized plot of land is now 18 plots of land. And then if they all like half of them die, They can kind of reabsorb it into like nine plots of land. That's more land, more money, more sustainability. Mortality was still high in specifically Northwestern Europe, where in some regards, it increased during the 15th century, so 1400, so a century after, because diseases other than the plagues were the plague were breaking out and it was more localized but just was worse Mm. you know we have this every so often where like people are like the flu is really bad this year and the flu death rates rise it just depends fertility which everyone kind of like you kind of assume you're like okay everybody's dying people are going to be having more babies still low and you know it's like okay why don't they like why does it change for england they were like maybe because of employment opportunities for women and adolescents in the trades and services so people have less time to be fucking Mm -hmm. this is in the 1400s yes 14 1500s so like we're on that turn of the century and so if you delay marriage you have less children and you see this in uh florence's census record where they like you can see where women are having children every two years and you probably have like two three children maybe four and then the woman's body kind of gives out or they get infection or something and the husband waits two years and then he marries another woman and then they have uh-huh. two, three to five children and the woman dies and they has another like so but if you wait your body's more mature like you can kind of like you won't it's harder to get pregnant you'll survive longer less children whereas if you're getting married at like 14 15 your reproductive years are about 15 to 20 years more chances to get pregnant get infection and die mm-hmm. A.K. where the t-shirt canon canon comment comes up repeatedly you're less of a t-shirt canon more of a human being <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure a lot of people wonder where the t-shirt canon canon comment came from but that's where it <gasps> came from if you see a woman popping out a baby every two years i'm so it's too much
1: it's a lot of like stress on your body and i don't even i've never been pregnant but jesus it seems like a lot
0: that's why it stresses out your body there's a high risk for infection and it's easier to get an infection and die and that's why women that was that's why birth childbirth was one of the highest causes of women's death for centuries is because oh yeah queen victoria was one of the first to go under like for gas for her children's birth because she didn't want to deal with <gasps> i don't blame them but so in parts of tuscany like Florence, people had a higher standard of li- living and would deliberately keep their fertility low, they would adjust their decisions about marriage, family formation, to affect their lifestyle. So it's like, when do you get married? So you, you might have an older man marrying a younger woman. You might have people closer to the similar age, but being like, okay, we're going to wait to marry till we're 22, 21, instead of getting married at, like, 16. It all depends on a lot of things. And, yes... There was birth control. I believe uh, the Dig podcast talks about it at some point. If not, they probably have mentioned it in some of their podcasts. Check them out. They're a fantastic woman-run history podcast. But anyways, uh, that's the end of the social effects. Let's talk about economic because it's the economy, stupid. (laughs) (laughs) There is a surplus of good because of overspending and then a swift following of shortage because of goods inflate. of goods and in inflation. So they expected more people to be buying shit. They died. And so people are like, I have more money because prices drop. So they buy a bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. And then there's inflation because there's you went from an oversupply. So prices rise. And then you buy everything because it's so cheap that the prices drop. And then you're just like, oh, fuck. So they raise the like, prices, bounce up and down really quickly. Again, there's a shortage of laborers because they'd be dead. Super high prices were be able to be charged by laborers. So... If you were a blacksmith, half your competition's gone. Let's just say half your competition's gone. You can jack those prices up. We've all experienced this. I have not paid $20 for like a six pack of toilet paper, but I know some people have. And I'm really? sorry. $20? Think I've about had it though. Fun. <laughs> <Who wants 20? laughs> Lindsay's side hustles now is toilet paper on Etsy. It's designer toilet paper. But think about it. Like when we started this, people were charging so much for certain things because everyone panicked by it. So this is the same thing with laborers. All of a sudden half the workforce is gone. You need your 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 horse having shoes on it, some metal fixed. You need X, Y, and Z instead of having four to five blacksmiths to choose from you have two they can charge you whatever because if you're gonna go the other guy they got like one of them's gonna get it governments did try to regulate their like so if you were a serf or uh wage laborer they would try to put them to pre-plague rates and people ain't having that shit there's also less food required to feed the population so even if you did try to bulk buy flour bread eggs butter
1: there's a third of the population you can get it still yeah but with the with the supply side kind of slowed down because there's not people working on the farms and stuff
0: but think about it they already like if they already started harvesting stuff imagine if it's already on the way to the stores when people start dying you okay. can still get it or even yeah. if they like they could still produce it it might be a little more expensive but it's still cheaper than it probably would have been if there were like a hundred people competing for the same dozen eggs then now there's like 30 people mm. and they still need to get rid of them because they've go bad they want to make money on off them like i said rulers attempted to intervene and like control responses through legislation through fixed wages restricting worker mobility so in some places serfdom was gone and so they're like no you can't leave this area we're not gonna have you go where there's higher wages because we need you here there's a lot of urban and rural unrest because of this attempts to control and contain these issues and people trying to control the problem again like i said we're going to talk about a prominent peasant unrest in a couple episodes landlords will move more labor intensive cultivations to better land and diversify their activities so instead of just farming you're going to get mining pasture fisheries you got to do what you got to do to survive get that side hustle in you know Mm. cities really become aware of their responsibility to maintain public health through the care of urban spaces so making sure they're clean there's fresh water whatever you need you know hmm,
1: within the 1400s kind of yeah
0: <laughs> yeah you know they don't have land Zambonis to go and make sure the streets are clean and there's not they don't have like Lysol and all that shit but yeah in their way they're disinfecting fucking everything additionally they start commemorating their dead in many ways and becoming more impatient with those they deem to be lazy and who didn't have a home or like i should say a settled home so if you had a couple like you just kept you were more a vagabond so you'd like live here and then there and da-da-da-da. not a, not here for it or those without regular employment or the undeserving poor which we still kind of deal with this now but this is really where we see it start to take root and sit in there we're all like oh we're still experiencing this trauma (laughs) because i don't think there was really not as much the idea of the undeserving poor before this or you know being impatient with people who have a different way of doing things considering them lazy whatnot because we're just starting to get towards what we'll and the U.S. called the Protestant work ethic with Martin Luther and all that. So people without regular employment before could move around. And it would be, okay, cool. It's just what you do. And now we're like, how dare you not have a 401k and health insurance? <laughs> this is, again, the American experience. But like, you know, like I'm a server and people still look at me like, how dare you? And I'm like, bitch, you go to restaurants. That's mm-hmm. how I dare. That's how Mm -hmm. I dare, you know? But the sectors of the international trade, because remember, they're still trading with Asia, Africa, the subcontinent. Um, We're getting around the time of moving over to the Western Hemisphere, but not quite yet. But there's still three subcontinents to deal with. So there's international trade. They're mainly dealing with the elite market and um, that head supply became severely depressed. But local markets are still doing great because... You know, you know, the person down the street doesn't have the plague. How do you know the person who brought it from, you know, Italy to England has, doesn't have the plague or passed through a plague town? You, it's hard for them.
1: There's no contact tracing and stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's harder to do. We see later in the 14th and early 15th century, so 13th, 1300, 1400, these old social and economic relationships begin to break down. And we see the start of new forms of economics and social structures begin to form that we're still dealing with. We're still dealing with this trauma in a new Mm -hmm. pandemic. Yay! (laughs) Like you said before, the church is a big force on this. The church did lose a lot of their parishioners. But guess what? Those motherfuckers left the money. So they became richer through bequests. Oh, wow. Uh, They also would charge people money for their services, like saying mass for the dead, ringing the bells. It was harder in certain periods if like, the plague was particularly prominent. You might not have enough priests or monks to do it. But we know that less educated priests were like then put into jobs where more learned men had died. So it was really like just trying to fill staffing situation. I'm jealous, but it's fine.
1: Less educated priests would go into these positions. Would that would that mean they left the um, whatever it's called with the S seminary that they?
0: So it'd be like, you're not quite a pre Like. So if you're a lower priest, because you've worked your way through, instead of going to seminary, you worked your way up at the mm-hmm. church or something like that, or maybe you got like less educated, they'd be like, okay, we need you here. So you move somewhere else. And you would like the head of churches, like if you were a lower priest, you'd get bumped up because people died. Hmm. So you'd be in charge of like a church where you might've been a lower priest or that, or just helping out the head priest. So, I mean, it's fair. You got to move people up. You, you got some openings, you need them filled. you rather have... and. In some regards, the priests knew the population, but we also know the clergy failed to help the suffering during the plague because, you know, there's really clear signs of wealth in the church, incompetence of its priests, which the Avenues papacy was... Heck, date. Yeah. So during this time, the Avenues papacy happened, which is basically... They moved the head of the church from Rome to France, built another cathedral, and then there was a couple pope at the same time
1: have you never heard have you never heard of the f papacy? like maybe i have but i've forgotten i i I went to like catholic school so probably maybe i heard of this
0: which seems new to me now but basically yeah um there's a lot of issues at one point there were three popes they all excommunicated each other (laughs) there was some fighting some things i'll probably cover it later Oh, that was like, That's interesting. I'd be interested about that. Yeah. Um, so imagine you're going through a plague and your Pope, there's two popes, maybe a third Pope in issues. So this is where, when we talked about Martin Luther way, way many moons ago when we first started this, that starts to form. That's the end of the church issues. Culturally, this really has shook up. The 14th century culture slash and it, you know, it's hard to tell complete, but we do have some signs with, you know, that we see it with the first historical count of the medieval plague in Europe written by the German me- medical historian J. F. C. Heckler in 1832. And he's using his experience of cholera to write about it. Quote: The mental shock sustained by all nations during the prevalence of the Black Plague was Without parallel and beyond description, he's talking about how these could affect the Gothic interpretation of the plague. And we also have it coming up in architecture and art as Cardinal Gaskett in 1893 continues in this tone, quote, the Black Death inflicted what can only be called a deep wound in the social body and produced nothing less than a revolution revolution of feeling and practice especially of religious feeling and practice it was a turning point in national life and the real close of the medieval period and the beginning of the modern age so you see like they're still dealing with it in the 19th century and we're talking about the 14th Mm -hmm. just imagine that
1: i'm interested in you you mentioned that you know now there are these cultural interpretations of the plague and i'm and you mentioned architecture and i know that like I taught a bit uh, like Bauhaus and I know like how it can be um, just like wardrobe and costume and theater and all of these things. And so like what did um, like a plague informed building look like? This is
0: where we get the gothic style. So we're doing, I guess I can can look up the most famous gothic churches. I believe it's a gothic thought, but we see a lot more skeletons we see a lot more so the late gothic is known as for flamboyant and perpendicular
1: i guess it's like one of the things that would happen because the pictures that i'm seeing right here of churches and such being built in like 1344 1370s and so on they're like very ornate you know with the towering thingies with steeple things you know those pointy things uh very very um ornate and so i guess what i'm thinking of is how you mentioned earlier how a lot of people had given their money to the church and so they had all this fucking cash and so maybe
0: they can build these more elaborate
1: i'm wondering if that's a thing
0: well yeah they definitely built more elaborate we definitely see more skeletons people like the wheel of fortune coming up in art
1: interesting and and another thing that i'm seeing here literally i'm on the wikipedia page but it's like they have these ribs and so it's part of like the way of the building and so i'm thinking of how some architects will say okay this is like a building this is not like this is a this is like a body in a sense and so thinking through maybe they're like everybody's dying and it is um something attached to i I don't know i'm just guessing i'm just riffing here but like looking at this it does look like ribs Uh,
0: yeah no it's they definitely are dealing with it see with ducaccio and Giotto, artists they're becoming less naturalistic more austere more simplistic and, you know, quote, a dark, darker realm of fearful, strenuous, yet often uncertain piety, brightened by only myth, mythical transports and the visions of supernatural splendor. People will build, basically, their coffins will be them, like, withering away. So it'll be, like, their decaying body. Hmm. It's a thing. I'm here for it 110%, and that's how I want to go out, unless I'm a tree.
1: <laughs> but, I mean come on so i've I've recently realized like the things that i think about like oh gosh i don't want to be wearing these underwear this pair of underwear when i die you know it's like you know what i'll be fucking dead it doesn't matter (laughs) it doesn't matter
0: there's the artwork uh the triumph of death and the Camposanto in pisa you know people like there's some debates about when it comes about but you have to think about it so many people died and their wealth wealth was so fluid because of that and they're dealing with it but then they also can't really deal with it because so many people are dying we think about it now rich people when they die their lawyers diversify their wealth and they tell the bankers where to put da 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 but imagine half the bankers are dead half the lawyers are dead and half like maybe let's say a fourth of the rich people are dead like they still have to move that money around but it's harder because the people doing it are dead mm-hmm. you know we see in the at Siena in Italy 1848 it's unfinished because they couldn't hire people to build it. In England, we have manuscript illuminations, wall painting, monumental uh, brasses that declined after the eighteen 18- or 1350s, and there's alternatives to that. We see more chandries, new colleges at Oxford and Cambridge in England, and new funds to support the poor, deliberately targeting the deserving poor after the 18 or 1340 in england and you know if the rich did donate money they wanted more prayers for the souls of benefactors and all that and definitely a shift
1: you you brought up deserving and undeserving poor a couple times and so my sense of undeserving poor is actually rooted in like the 1900s and like the 1800s like much more recent and so i'm wondering what that looks like in the 14th and 15th century
0: people who aren't begging or vagrants so you know maybe you're just you're a single mom husband a widow with children you're deserving poor you're work trying to work you're trying to support your family rather than just wander around trying to get get the most money yeah okay
1: so same idea same idea
0: yeah similar it's the earlier version i think it gets more and more exasperated each century goes by and we just And it just gets more and more ingrained now. Like, it's so ingrained now, the deserving and versus undeserving poor, that we don't even realize that maybe this is where it started. One example of how the art changed is The Dance of Death, or dance macabre and this is where we um the idea of like the skeleton all of that and coming up because it's definitely how they dealt with it because i mean everybody has to go to the grave whether you're the pope emperor king laborer child it's part of that memento mori where you know your life is gonna you're gonna die and i mean i would suggest looking up these images because so they'll have people of every sort i'm showing Lindsay a picture of like
1: People dressing in medieval attire, hanging out with a skeleton. Like a lot of people are dealing with mortality, especially since it seems as though, I mean, they have a max five days of of living after they're, you know, they get this. And so people are, are, are faced with this very much real very real sense of now what what is anything and what is mortality and so it's like well might as well just fucking dance because we are just waiting to die
0: Or like death is here for all of us it doesn't matter matter whether you're rich or poor
1: i also think that this is where um the i i don't know i can't say for certain but i feel like this is when the idea of the grim reaper comes as a personification of the black death
0: i think it's always been around it's more the wheel of fortune you know like you could spin the wheel you may live you may die say but definitely if you if you can check out uh death picabre the art is crazy intense i feel
1: like i saw that painting some life it's either in spain there's a lot of uh these
0: But one of the earliest one is the Innocent Cemetery of the Innocents in Paris. Because like there's paint that and it just deals with the fact that deals with the fact that like you never know. Like it's everybody just it's like the town, but then there's also just like people bearing bodies, people dealing with it. Interesting. And it was painted in 1424 to 25, and it shows inevitability unpredictability of mortality it would strike the like death would strike rich poor virtuous vicious anything and um so the arts mortande which is the art of the dying well which is play deathbed scenes. again my favorite is still the people who would just have their tombs displaying their decaying body So they're half skeleton, half people. And I'm like, that's so metal. And I would totally do that. (laughs) Like, why did we go away from that? And I'm like, oh, right. Because we didn't have a plague. But, you know, you have to look at it. It's just how people dealt with it. Dealing with all of this. People, like, there were the flagellants who would walk around. And you kind of see this in Monty Python and the Holy Grail where they're hitting their heads. Like, they're like monks walking around hitting their heads. People would walk around and like they travel throughout Europe and like flagellating themselves with whip, like mm-hmm. cats of nine tails to try to atone for the sins. And uh, there's apocalyptic interpretation that this is the last days and all of that. Uh, there's pogroms, which is for the Jewish prop. If you think there was an anti Semitism involved in this, I don't have time to cover that. Motherfucker, there were like the between the traditional. They poisoned the well, they murdered children, all of that shit. Guess what? They didn't. It's a bacteria slash virus. They didn't do that, but they still murdered many Jewish people because they thought so. Uh, We know that nearly a thousand Jews were burned in the Jewish cemetery at Strasbourg in 49, and almost entire Jewish communities were exterminated in the Rhine. So the Black Death didn't go quietly through Europe. People reacted through fear and violence and superstition. It, I mean, it's hard to deal with it. As Cohen remarked in, after the 48 plague, quote, was a rapidly becoming domesticated. That's how the, he viewed the world. But, you know, how we deal with death and disease and mass extermination shows our humanity i think more and Mm -hmm. shows how we treat those who are different than us so i'm gonna end this with saying help your neighbor stay home wear a motherfucking mask because they didn't know about this we have germ theory and modern science on our side so let's kick this ass and uh not end up like the black death
1: we have the tools we have the science we have i mean certainly i mean we have 700 years on these people but I mean, 700 years from now, I mean, they'll be in a different situation or the world will be gone. <laughs> so, um, Wow, but- we just made this real <laughs> cheerful. <laughs> but i mean like yeah it's really not a big deal the mass not a big deal i I don't think that that's a big deal um though i don't i think that that's an oversimplification of what they're saying government thing or something but um yeah check in with people skype is a thing zoom is a thing phone calls still exist
0: and just realize we're okay let's get the we don't want to end up like the black death though i'm here for the decaying tombstone i am here for that everything (laughs) else i'm not here for except for that is that bad
1: that I'm here for that no I think that that's so cool I like that I like that and I like that um you know what it also reminds me of is like how um, the dia de los muertos and how they celebrate the dead and um, they they you know the skulls are very colorful and everything and so it's a reminder that there is this balance of death and life and things you know just kind of <laughs> the world keeps turning until it doesn't beat. <laughs>
0: We'll see you next week when Lindsay is gonna tell us a story that probably no, it's just as depressing. I'm not gonna
1: lie. Will it be the the one that I haven't finished? Yeah, that one. Oh, okay. Yeah, it'll be good. I'm I'm pumped for it, but I haven't but
0: <laughs> it'll be slightly less depressing and slightly less relevant to modern day. I
1: think well, with this we have millions dead. And with my story, I think that there's significantly not millions dead. So that's significant. Yes. <laughs>
0: I just bring you guys joy and I'm sorry. Not that sorry. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye.
0: Are you a true crime addict? Do you find yourself talking serial killers and missing persons at parties only to be met with uncomfortable smiles? Well, find your tribe on true crime snack time, a daily podcast that gives you a little true crime snack to chew on from January 1st to December 31st. You'll find out what happened on this day in true crime short Sweet and chock-full of crime, join me, Allison, on True Crime Snack Time. We're available wherever you get your favourite podcasts. Follow True Crime Snack Time on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at CrimesnackPod. And remember, keep your friends close and your snacks closer.
1: Norway reeling from twin attacks. First... It was known as Sweden's worst serial killer. Quick... Kim Vall disappeared after boarding Madsen's submarine in Copenhagen Harbour last August... Terrorism Miscarriages of justice Serial killers Disappearances From the known To the lesser known We give you True crime From the dark And frozen regions Of northern Europe This
0: Is Nordic True crime Subscribe to our Bi-weekly episodes On iTunes Spotify Or on your Podcast provider And find us on Facebook Twitter or Instagram at Nordic True Crime. Domesticity. We're available on all podcatchers. Remember to rate, review, subscribe to help spread the word or just force other people to listen to it. Our Facebook and Twitter are at Domestic Podcasts and our Instagram is at The Cult of Domesticity. We also have podcast merch at threadless uh as well if you want to support us financially or show some appreciation we have a paypal tip jar and a patreon which has some pretty great perks any topic suggestions feel free to email us at domesticpodcasts at gmail.com remember to stay domestic and cult free